Welcome to Unbound Turnarounds, a podcast all about the challenges women business owners think about constantly, but rarely voice. We're Nicole and Mallory, entrepreneurs, friends, and co-founders of Business Unbound, a community helping women alleviate the headaches, heartaches, and backaches so work actually works for life. This is your safe space for the ups, downs, and the turnarounds. Okay, we are back for another edition of Unbound Turnarounds. Thank you guys for joining us. We have another guest today. And just like me, she is from Michigan. So I'm excited to talk to another Michigander. And Nicole, you can intro us. Let us know who we have today. Yes. So we're excited to chat with Jen Ribble. So for nearly two decades, she has held a variety of marketing roles in industries across finance, funeral services, and B2B technology. That last one is where she and I actually met at my old email marketing company. So in all that time, she has learned how to craft content that really resonates with an audience and make really complex ideas digestible. She also has a knack for transforming even the driest of topics into content that people actually want to read. And now she's using all that hard-won experience to succeed on her own terms with her business, Jen Ribble Writes. Clients rely on her for all their marketing needs, from blog posts and case studies to white papers, web content, and email copy. So welcome to the podcast, Jen. Thank you. It's great to be here. So just to remind listeners for this season, we are digging into the whys behind women starting their own companies. And those whys are often really diverse. And so we're excited to share your story as a self-professed accidental entrepreneur (laughs) and what that means to your life and how in the world you got into this. So just to get us started, I do want to hear a bit more about this life prior to entrepreneurship, funeral services, not something we hear all the time. Yeah, I know. Weird, right? So I spent the first chunk of my career doing marketing for financial services companies, very traditional student loans, mutual funds, retirement plans, that kind of thing. I changed jobs probably every two to three years, you know, just bouncing around a little bit aimless. So around 2008, I was looking for a change and I ended up taking a job with a casket company. That's right, caskets. Caskets. Fascinating. Fun fact, did you know that three of the four largest casket companies in the country are in Indiana? No. Well, now you we do. We absolutely didn't know that. <laughs> no. And no one else does right? either. Well, guaranteed. Yeah. Well, now you do. You can throw that out at parties. Okay. <laughs> Fast growing industry. Well, you know, sadly. Every, everybody needs them eventually. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. So, yeah. So it, it turns out that marketing caskets is not that different from marketing any other product, but it also just wasn't a great fit for me. So I was there about two years. And in 2010, I finally found my way to B2B tech space. Nicole, you probably remember this. My first gig in tech was actually a contract role. Yes. Filling in for somebody who is on maternity leave. So yeah, I only had like a 90-day guarantee to earn myself a full-time job, yes. which I managed to do. So yeah, I earned myself a permanent role there. And I was with Exact Target for almost five years. And from that point on, my career was focused on tech, and that ended up being a total of about 10 years before I started my business. We just could not let you out of our clutches. Exactly. Exactly. Once I was in, I was in for good. You were in. Okay. Well, that means that the B2B technology space was 
particularly either influential or important for your growth and your career. So what was it about that space that you found rewarding and what maybe niggled at your soul for something else? So I would say the thing that I love about tech was not necessarily the products or the work. It was really about the people and the culture. So tech companies, at least the ones I worked for, they tend to embrace the weird. So (laughs) you can really be yourself, which I loved. And it was such a departure from the traditional industries I've been in previously. And at the same time, they attract really smart people. So it's a great combination. And in my experience, you end up working really hard, but you don't mind so much because it's such a great experience. So yeah, so I mean, there was a time when I really thought that I would be an exact target until I retired, but you know, things change. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Were there already some nigglings at the soul or when did that kind of start to happen in your time with tech? You know, honestly, I was kind of always in awe of people who left the corporate world for entrepreneurship, but it was not something that I envisioned for myself Mm -hmm. at all. I joined Exact Target when I was 40 and I was going on 45 by the time most people started moving on. So I'd been doing the corporate thing for well over 20 years. And I mean, at that point for me, work just meant having a traditional job, right? So, so it was not on the radar. Got it. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, you know, not that a job is always rainbows and sunshine, but it almost didn't even occur to me to do anything different. Now, you did see, though, some examples of people who started to go out on their own. I think partly because the company that you and I worked for together had been a startup tech company. We had joined it when it was not nearly as big as at the end. And it also sort of, like you were saying, it attracts a certain kind of people, The people who worked there were a lot of folks who eventually became entrepreneurs themselves. So you did start to see like some of these examples of people going their own way. And do you remember kind of what you thought when you saw that? You know, was it just like, I don't know, that's not a real job. (laughs) You know, I think I would say it varied depending on the person. Like a lot of people went a lot of different ways. And sometimes I was surprised, like, wow, you're really going to do this. You're well, doing it. Well, good luck. I hope that works out. And some people are like, yeah, obviously, you know. Okay. What, which one was Nicole? Oh, gosh. <laughs> she was like, best of luck to you, sweet thing. Nicole's dreams were so interesting because they involved moving to Montana. Yeah. Which was, yeah. you know, I mean, at that point, like starting the business was the most realistic to me. Like, <laughs> You're like, well, how else is she going to do it? Yeah, exactly. Obviously. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair point. But even though you started seeing some of that, like you still chose to stay, right? You had like an extra, I think it was about five years in this space after even I left. Yes. And you went to some other local tech companies because we also had a lot of friends that stayed in the area and stayed in that tech industry. So we had a lot of connections there. Absolutely. So what was kind of your thought process when you left the company you and I were at and you went to find something else? Were you looking for more of the same because you had really found like you found the industry that worked for you at the pace you liked? Or were you looking for a variation of what you had before? Do you remember? I do. Yeah, I think I was kind of hoping to find another unicorn because I mean, the exact target was a really, really special. It was a special place. And 
you know, as whatever was happening there, you know, people were moving on and there were pockets of us in different companies. So I kind of landed with one of those other pockets of people in a company that seemed to have a lot of the same values and, you know, very closely related industry and people I was comfortable with. So I thought, well, no, there's a chance it could happen again. And it wasn't, it was good. It was never quite as good again, but at that time was not even on my not radar. on your radar not on my radar that I should maybe <laughs> even consider doing something else okay so it turns out though that corporate life ends up spoiler alert not as secure as it maybe had seemed yep. well, well, yeah so let's get into what the catalyst for the big change is and why you even though you didn't think you were going to be an entrepreneur now that's where you are let's let's just get into it yep yes yeah so January 2020 yeah, we all we all remember it well, right? I got laid off January of 2020, completely out of the blue. It was actually the first layoff of my entire career. I had survived multiple acquisitions, and suddenly I found myself without a job. So and that was, was it pandemic related? No, or it was no. completely unrelated. It just happened to coincide. That mm-hmm. is insane timing. Exactly yeah. right. Ugh. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm shocked. I'm, yeah. you know, yeah. never, never saw it coming. So this on my way out the doors, I'm carrying my box and my plants and oh, everything else, right? I know. I so hate sad. it. Yeah. So I sent one text to, I want to say about seven former colleagues and I wanted to let them know what's happening. I think mm-hmm. I said something like, look, I have no idea what's next for me, but if you happen to have any writing work while I figure it out, let me know. Mm-hmm. So, so that that one text, honestly, was the start of the whole thing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that speaks to the kind of community that we did have. And you moving to another pocket of that community, I think, worked out really well for you. Absolutely. Because those are not unusual texts, right? right. And if right. any of us are in those situations, like that's the first thing we do. And that was the perfect thing to do. But I love that your brain was like, this whole journey is not something I planned. However, in this very specific moment, this is the first thing I thought to do. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I find that interesting as well. And like you said, one little tiny action changed the course of everything. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, fortunately, people were incredibly supportive. And within probably about a week, I had a couple of writing projects and it grew from there. You know, it it was a tight network and people learned that I was taking on freelance work and started reaching out. I mean, again, accidental entrepreneur. This was not this was not an intentional thing. I'm a planner in a lot of parts of my life, but this just all kind of grew organically. Yeah, life didn't care about your plan. No, sure. <laughs> at didn't. that moment. So well, yeah. and one of the things I remember Stephanie Jansen said to us when we talked earlier in the season, she was like, you know what? I just realized that if you only tell people that you are available and you are providing a skill, the word gets out. Yeah. You know, and I think yeah. that was a big part of our community as well was like spreading the word that someone's out there doing writing or doing design or, you know, any of that. And it sounds like you got a really good response from that. Were you surprised? Um, yes, I was. I was surprised. I was humbled. I couldn't believe that people had my back the way they did. I mean, this was like probably one of the most gratifying parts of my entire experience was learning the value of that network and honestly what networking actually means. As an off-the-charts introvert, the whole idea of networking is my literal nightmare. Yes. 
showing up at a happy hour and like handing out business cards and talking. I can't even listen to you talk about it. Right? That it's, right? It, it's I mean, traumatizing. Like cold sweat. But yeah, no, like we can't, we can't talk. Yeah, about it. but it turns out that's not that's not it. Networking really is. It's about mm-hmm. showing up every day and doing a good job for the people who count on you. That's what people remember, and that's your brand. And so, since I started this business almost four years ago, one hundred percent of my work has come either from my professional network or from referrals. Oh my gosh! You know why I love this so much, Nicole? Because of. The word connection, which I always talk about being my favorite thing. But basically what you're saying here is like investing in those relationships is then your network over time, right? Exactly. But speak to me more about how this group of people was so special. I mean, what was the difference there, you think, for you guys? Because it helped Nicole start her business. It's helped you. It's helped Stephanie, who's been on our show. You know, like this group sounds like it was really fruitful externally from the company. I'm just curious what the difference was for this group of people. It's so hard to say. I mean, we've always talked about it as being just a unicorn experience, but I think, you know, it started from the top down and you were there a lot longer than I was, Nicole, but I think, you know, at least the exact target part of things, they were incredibly selective about who they brought on. So there was always a great personality match with the people Mm -hmm. that you were going to be working with. There was a culture that nobody's ever seen anything like that before. It's crazy to think about like how ingrained we were, we all were. Yes. In orange, orange was that thing. So yeah. And then as people moved on to other companies, they took a lot of that with them. I mean, it could never be entirely replicated, but Mm -hmm. that kind of carried on through generation and generation to moved from one company to another. So, yeah. And I think to me, at least whenever I was working with someone that was in that network or related to, right, even like a, you know, a Kevin Bacon level removed, it was like a little comfort blanket of kind of just knowing how it would go. Like not what the project would be, not what you would make, not what the timeline would be, except probably fast. But, you know, it was like, oh, I just have a general idea how this is going to feel. And that's very reassuring when you're going out on your own. Absolutely. But Mallory, when I think about your question and I look back on those people, I think a good amount of it was because we weren't just working together. Like there's a lot of companies where you're just working together. Like that's it, Mm -hmm. you know. But we were also like having a life together and having all these experiences together and actually knowing each other as humans in an office. And like, those are the people that I take with me. You know, like if you reach out to me tomorrow and you were like, hey, it's been 12 years and I need a thing. And I'd be like, yes, absolutely. Because uh, no time has passed. Right. It's it's exactly. Exactly. And it's not like that everywhere, but I do think like that really did redefine networking for you. And I think it redefined sales for me. Yeah. Was yeah. what became a little less. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was exactly. to just be like, well, of course I could talk to my friends. Right. Like, that's okay. I do that all the time. So that's not so scary. Yeah. I feel like having that shared experience, that shared background, you know, even years later, even if it's something you, someone you didn't actually know all that well. It's kind of a shortcut to trust. I love hearing a success story of a corporate life that I know it wasn't always the best. There was probably downs too. 
But it is nice to hear, you know, because we're always like, oh, yeah, you left corporate. But it is good to hear that there was a human first approach and that the leadership was really like top down demonstrating how to be. So I like hearing that as an example of one good company that was out there for a time. Just, model, you yeah. know, modeling it, which yeah. is great. Um, we can all know, do that now in we our can company. All do that. Yes. Yeah. Love what you're hearing? Business Unbound online courses help you implement the ideas from this show and change how your company runs in big and small ways for the better. Our courses are meticulously crafted, packed with tactical tools and solutions, and designed to help women genuinely enjoy the day-to-day business journey. We've poured insights from our collective 13 years of entrepreneurship and work with more than 100 clients into every course. And the good news is that we're just getting started. We're on a mission to unite women entrepreneurs who understand challenges, loneliness, and vulnerabilities of running a business. And we want you to be part of it. Visit unboundboss.com to browse our course library. We cannot wait to join you on your journey. I think the interesting thing to me that I hear a lot is that some people land on one side or the other side of this, which is, do you really want to work with people that I know? Or I really don't want to work with people that I know, right? Like I either want to mix these things or I want the, like not to have a Venn diagram that overlaps at all. And some people make it work both ways. I feel like you and I are on the side of, we want to work with our friends. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you think that that has really influenced the way that your business runs? And has that ever caused, you know, more challenges than benefits? Because I think people just wonder as they get into business, like, I don't, is that the wrong thing to do? Yeah, I can definitely say how it could be an issue. I've never had it become an issue in, in any case. I love working with people I know and people who know me for the companies that I'm working with, the people that I'm working with. There's a lot of risk in hiring freelance writers. It's hard to know that you're getting someone who can actually do what they say they can do, that has the talent to deliver quality work. So my clients get to avoid a lot of that risk because we already have have that baseline level of trust. And whether it's the person who's actually hiring me or someone who said, hey, right. go talk to this person, you know, we've, there's already that kind of that baseline there. So the other funny thing is most of the time, it's turned out that the person who was brought me in has not ended up being my direct contact. So oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So a lot of times I'm not actually working with okay. the person that I know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and that's fine either way, but it also helps in a way because that means I'm still meeting new people and still constantly expanding my network. So. And it puts a little boundary up between you and that. I mean, kind of prevents any issues from maybe even starting. Yeah, Exactly. I also find that I, you know, because I do writing as well still as one piece of, Mallory would say, too many, but I don't like the way it feels to have to prove yourself. So for me, like that's a demotivator for me. Like I don't write well that way. I don't sell well that way. Like I just don't like it. So for me, like you said, the shortcut to trust is if I have someone who already knows me, like that removes that completely. And I do a lot better work. Yes. So yes, for me, absolutely. like that's a big selling point for working with people I know, friends of friends, because for me to do my best work, like I have to put myself in a situation where I'm feeling confident. And I think it sounds like you are largely the same way. Yep, absolutely. Same. 
Okay. So you're getting some responses. You're getting some work. You're getting some projects. But then a tough decision actually comes right away. So tell us about what happens. Yeah. So it's easy to forget this now, but (laughs) even then it wasn't immediately clear to me that starting a business was my next step. You know, 20, 25 years is a long time to be, you know, going along in a career and then all of a sudden have it come to an abrupt fork in the road. So as I mentioned, my layoff happened right before the pandemic hit. And so the job market was still good at the time. So while I was doing some freelance work, I was also applying for full-time marketing jobs. And so I would say less than two months after I got laid off. That's crazy. Yeah. I had Mm -hmm. a job offer that seemed perfect. I mean, at the time, if you had asked me to describe my perfect job, this was it. It was a director level role. It's a well-known tech company. I'd be running my own content team and managing my own budget and shaping my own strategy. There was international travel involved. This kind of had it all. And the company was bending over backwards to get me the salary that I wanted. So, you know, I had to make a big decision. Do I go back to the corporate world that I've known for so long? Or do I take this big risk on the unknown? And And this was 60 days in, to be clear. 60 days from when you got laid off. Correct. And also like a month before COVID or not even potentially ends up being, but you didn't know that. Yeah. So March of 2020, right? March of 2020. And actually there were beginnings of, you know, COVID affecting things. Like someone that was supposed to be in an interview coming over from London couldn't because their flights were were shut down. So we were like right on the edge. Right on the edge of it. Mm -hmm. Uh So do you remember what kind of those pros and cons of going through your mind were? Because I feel like 60 days before that, if you'd have gotten this job offer, right? Yeah, you would have left at it. Yeah, right. We, we'd never be here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true. Like, it seems like you kind of got forced into this place where your mindset was open to something else. But I'm a little bit surprised because, you know, you say like you really had so many years in this traditional job market. That's a yep. pretty quick turn to consider something this big of a change. Yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, what were the pros and cons going through your mind? Well, I mean, I was doing some serious soul searching about you know, what would make me happy, whether I thought I could realistically you know, find enough work to you know, sustain a business. You know, can I make enough money to replace a full-time job? Talking to my husband. I mean, this affects him too. And he's a little more risk averse than I am. So, you know, you don't, I don't want to ruin my marriage for yes. you know, some, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> some crazy idea of running a business. So, you know, I want to make sure that are we still going to be able to, you know, travel and do all the things that we want to do? Can I still save for retirement? Again, I'm still getting older at this point. I'm almost 50 by this point. So, you know, all of that is is a consideration. So all of these things are weighing on my mind. And, you know, then I made myself a list of, you know, did you all make the things a, to think did about. Did you keep it? I did. I did, did it. You... I, had to, I had to dig it out to research, yes. you know, refresh my memory. Oh. There were even, there were some considerations on there that seem hilarious now, like. Okay, you, know, you have to email it to me later so, if you want to. Yeah. Will I miss going into an office every day? This I know March, the answer. March 2020, right? <laughs> right. Everybody right. Going Everyone's going to miss it. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, am I going to miss seeing my coworkers every day? So, mm. Yeah, obviously to know all that was going to change anyway, but yeah. Well, so what are... were the pros on your, what's on the other side then? Um, a lot of it is just 
is that I think I can, you know, make all of that work. And maybe some of the things that I've just been accepting about corporate life are required if I go this route. You know, I mean, nobody loves sitting in meetings for hours on end and nobody loves coming back from vacation to 400 emails and nobody loves office politics. And all of those were things that I'm starting to see I don't have to deal with if I make this choice. So So were you asking other people from this amazing network? Were you trying to get people's opinion? Like, what do you think I should do? You talked about your husband a bit, any other family, friends, or did you and Nicole even talk about it at that point? So I talked to people about their experience. I didn't ask what anyone else thought that I should do because I, I mean, I I don't care. No one can answer that question for me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care what you all think. I'm probably going to do my own thing. It's fine. Exactly. No, I I wanted to get as much information as I could about what other people had been through and like what, you know, how they experienced entrepreneurship and, you know, what challenges they faced. I mean, even how they made their decision. But when it comes down to it, no one else can live my life and no one knows all the things that are going on in my crazy head. So, yeah, so those were the kind of conversations I was having. Uh, yeah, I mean, people who who I'd worked with who were still in the corporate world, just to bounce ideas off. Like, look, I'm thinking about doing this. And, you know, I didn't get anyone who said, oh, yeah. <laughs> Really, you are. Oh, really? You so you are. So really, yeah. You're like, oh, well, (laughs) I don't love that intuition. That um, yeah. So it sounds like you really wanted to know. I think this is interesting because a lot of people's whys. Some of them are about the business, right? They want to. We're on a particular type of business or have a certain type of impact in work. Some people's lives and their whys are about the life right? That it can afford. Yeah. And I, it sounds like when you were asking people what their experiences had been, it was a little bit less about what is the work like and a little bit more about what is your life like? Yes. Yeah. At the same time that you were kind of thinking maybe this like structure that I've accepted as the default, maybe I could not have some of those things that don't really work for my life. Would you say that's accurate? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It didn't take long to realize that working at my house and doing the work <laughs> that I chose to do gave me a lot more flexibility. Than... Isn't it funny to say it now where you're like, why wasn't that a giant pro column? Right? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Would you like to work from your house? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. Sure I would. Yeah. So yeah, that freedom and flexibility was huge. I mean, that, yeah. yeah, I'm just as one tiny example. I'm not a morning person. So being able to structure my day so that I never have a meeting before 11 a.m., that's amazing. I mean, if I decide that now is a good time to go grocery shopping, I'm going grocery shopping. When everyone else isn't grocery shopping? Yeah. Amazing. So it's very much about the freedom and the flexibility and the lifestyle and still being able to do the same kind of work that I knew I was good at without all of the extra garbage that comes along with it in a typical setting. So you obviously turned down the job. I wonder what happened to that once March came anyway. Yeah. Um, Oh, I know, right? I know. It'd be interesting to, we probably couldn't find out anyway. 
So we kind of already talked about the differences between the lifestyles. I mean, what was the final decision? Like, did you just have a gut feeling to finally just be like, I'm just going to go all into the freelance lifestyle and turn this job down? Tell us a little bit about what your head was thinking when you finally made that decision. Yeah. So when I made the decision, I basically decided to give myself a 12-month trial period. I figured, you know what, if it doesn't work out, I can always find myself another job. I've never not found a job. So I'm going to do this for 12 months. I'm going to set some benchmarks, make sure things are going the way I think they need to go. You know, I make sure that financially this is working out. I think my benchmark for the first 12 months was like 70% replacement of my full-time salary for the first year. That seemed reasonable. You know, I set benchmarks around getting clients and getting repeat business and you know, some things around just personal satisfaction. Like, do I like this? Am I enjoying it? How's my stress? How are things working out with my husband? Is freaking him out? Is it another funny one? Because we only had one office at the time. Is my being home going to be a problem for him being able to work from home? Well, we figured that out quickly. You know, I didn't <laughs> Everyone did. Work. That was fine. Yep. So yeah, so I had some benchmarks like that just to stay on track and Everything ended up looking out just fine, and I never even considered looking for another job. So, perfect. <laughs> you know, you mentioned a little bit of how you were kind of benchmarking and kind of backing into what success would look like for you in those first 12 months, right? And I'm curious about the types of projects that you initially wanted, whether that's the same as today, now, four years later, the types of people you wanted to work with. But trial and error is just kind of part of the game in that first year. So, sure. <laughs> I'm, you know, yeah, were you like, I want hourly work. I want retainers only. I want literally any project that pays me money. Like, what was your thought process around the actual, like, services that you'd be offering? So, I definitely fell into the say yes to everything camp for a little while. Okay, me too. Right, yeah. Shirts. We have shirts. Wasn't that fun? Yeah. That's <laughs> so fun. I don't even so, know what this project is. I'll take it. Thankfully. Yeah. So in the early days, I definitely said yes to everything. I wrote about everything from corporate finance and venture capital to hearing aids. Oh, hearing aids. Yeah. Petroleum <laughs> delivery system. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that fascinating. Was, that was some good stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that was very stressful because I didn't know anything about any of those topics. Okay. So I did, over time, try and narrow myself back down to B2B tech. And yeah, so that's my sweet spot in my comfort zone. And that's where really all of my work is now. Well, you just found that, I think it's a little bit the same as like wanting that shortcut to trust, is you're saying like, it's also easier for you to do your best work in this particular industry is what you found, right? And it's not just the service of writing. It's, you know what, I can do a shortcut to being really good at this if I stay in this particular area. Yeah. But you didn't know that, right? Until you tried it. Exactly. And you can't, starting out, I think you also don't realize how much control you have over the terms of your work because that's an entirely new thing. Coming from a multi-decade corporate career, you're used to kind of being told, all right, this is the strategy and this is the career path and this is, you know, this is your job. Well, all of a sudden I get to decide what my job is and, you know, I'm the service provider. So this is the service, which is, you know, it's a completely different mindset and it takes a while to get used to it. 
so yeah, I mean, you asked about, you know, hourly project retainer, things like that. I did all of it. I did. I tried all of those. I did. I tried all the ways. And I found that for me, retainer work is a much better fit because writing content is really hard when you don't know what you're talking about. So one-off project work doesn't really give me enough time to understand my client's company and their positioning and their audience and things like that. So whenever, whenever possible, and these days it's pretty much always possible, I try and do retainer work. It means working with fewer clients over a longer period of time, but it provides stability for me work-wise and also income-wise. I know how much I'm going to make every month. And, you know, my clients tend to like it because they know what resources they can rely on. They know how it's going to affect their budget. So it didn't feel possible right out of the gate. I just didn't have the confidence, I think, to ask for it. But, you know, now that's my, that's my deal. That's exactly what I was going to say. You almost have to have experience under your belt in order to ask for what works the best. Like you said, you nailed it when you said confidence. That's what was ringing through my head. And now you have it and you know, and you can then, it makes the conversation easier, I find too. So when you have to talk about the money and the contract piece, it's like, you just can say it with, just like, just like you're talking about the weather because it's just, you have that experience under your belt. I want to switch gears a little bit though, because I'm really into like systems and how to make businesses efficient and processes and automations. And I get really geeky about it. What kind of systems and processes do you have in place that help you run your company? Oh my gosh, you're going to hate me because I keep, I keep things so simple. Like I, honestly, that's, yeah, I don't hate you. That's That's great. (laughs) Other than like my Google drive and my email, I really don't use a lot of tool. It keeps my overhead really low, first of all. So, yay. I mean, I know there are free tools out there, too. But, you know, again, old dog, I've done things the way I've done them for a long time. So I have my paper lists to keep me organized. And you know, I was going to ask, how do you do your organizing of your day? Oh, yeah. You, do you actually want to see? Oh, yeah. There you go. She's oh, holding yeah. up, all she's right. holding up a notepad right now. That is correct. That's okay. Um, but what about invoicing? I mean, there's some things you'd have to do. Sure. You, you must have. Sure. Yeah. So you have like an electronic system for invoicing or process around that. I have a process. I don't have a process. Any, <laughs> I don't have any tool. I build my invoices on a template and I have found that invoicing for all my work at the end of every month works best for me because I can set aside a little bit of time, you know, on that last business day of the month and just do yeah. all my invoices, get them sent out 30 day net. I'll have money at the end of next month. So it's a very nice predictable cycle so yeah that's uh, I think it's great if you basic. don't need these systems I'm not projecting on that you have to have them <laughs> and, and so I think it's good for people to hear like if the systems are intimidating look you can be successful without them so absolutely for us yeah, yeah so absolutely. I, I want to dig into this a little bit because yes you have a to-do list which is great like you said you're not a morning person and I hear you on that okay for me it's no flights before noon that's the rule no meetings before 11. How else have you structured kind of how you really get the work done, right? So you've done a great job, like you said, of aligning time at the end of the month for kind of that back end stuff, right? Getting your invoices out and doing all that, which is a little easier on retainer too, because they're always the same. Exactly. But how have you found that, you know, having this complete freedom over your schedule, has there been challenges to that as well? Have you had to put any kind of self-structure in place 
Or is it just, I wake up and here's what I've got today and I'll put it in between all the other things I'm just going to do for my life? I'm a little unstructured. And as far as my day-to-day goes, especially the last six months or so, my husband and I relocated from Indiana to Tennessee in late June, early July. So, you know, moving, Nicole, you probably remember, moving to a new city and a new house and everything. There's a lot going on. There's a lot (laughs) going on. It's a lot. Mal knows too. Yeah. And so when you've got a lot of other things going on, sometimes it's a little more challenging to focus yourself on the work part of things. I will say I was, it was a little bit more better. Goodness. Yes, I'm a writer. She's a writer. (laughs) (laughs) It was a little better about having a structured day before. And I think I'll get back to that. It's just, you know, things are feel very in flux right now. So it feels like there's always something else that needs to be done. You know, for, for well, better. You couldn't have or, done the move. You right. couldn't have done the move while exactly. doing, I mean, what a gift, right? Exactly. Exactly. And the other nice thing is that I'm with the retainers that I have right now. I mean, I'm not working 50 hours a week or anything close to it. So I can do the other things that I need to do. And they go, oh, I need to put in sport now because I have things, I do actually have things that need to be done. <laughs> yes. And this is, you know, definitely same as Mallory was on systems. Like this is not me advocating for a structured life because for me at least, which I feel like we're maybe a little bit similar on this, like not being forced to be any particular place is what reminds me that I am in control of my schedule. Right. So for me, like that's the most comforting part of my jobs, plural, is that I can choose to do them when I want. And Mm -hmm. I have to keep my schedule a little bit more flexible in order to flex that muscle and remind myself that I have not just trapped myself in a new job of structure. So to me, like, I love that. Like, I want to be able to be at the barn in the morning. I don't mind if I'm on a horse in a field checking email. That's fine. Like, whatever, you know, but I not doing meetings. Like I'm just not doing it. And it's been like nine years now of not really doing it because those are to me like the mental triggers that this is a different ball game now. So I'm curious if you have any of those kind of little moments or little practices in life now that remind you that you are in charge. So I've always taken pride in my work, but it's never been the most important thing. It's not the thing that defines me. I work to support the lifestyle that I want. I love to travel. I love to eat out at great restaurants. I love getting tickets to some traveling something or other that's coming to town. And so the fact that I can do all that and still work when I want, as much as I want, and make the income that I need to, is something that I never actually realized could be possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, until this accidental thing happened where I, I got laid off and I sent a text. So, well, you're speaking to my heart. All of that sounds amazing. And I love it for you and for all of us in this role, that flexibility and freedom. Something Nicole and I talk about a lot is how busy isn't a badge of honor. And I know this is a common topic people talk about. I find it even with some of my mom friends now with our kids being a little bit older. It's like you're almost fighting against it again. So it's like I left it in the corporate and I'm trying to maintain it again because you can just like overschedule your family. It sounds like you probably agree with that. But does that resonate for you too? That busy isn't a badge of honor? A hundred percent. I spend far less time working now than I ever did in the real world. Mm -hmm. I make more money than I did then. 
because I'm good at what I do. And I found clients who value my service and I've owned that. That's amazing. Yes. You did that. So, yeah, you did, I that. did that. I did that. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, and running this business gives me the flexibility to enjoy life more than I ever could before. And I'm not going to lie. It's not always anything aspirational. Sometimes it's watching TV in the middle of the day, but that's my trashy TV and I can watch it. That's right. So, yeah. And I mean, my, my stress level, it's at an all time low, quite honestly. See, and this is one of those things that when I talk about what triggers in a good way, my mind that I'm in control, sometimes it is literally just having a show on in the background. And I know that there are many people who cannot work that way. And I know that it takes me 20 times longer to get anything done. And I've accepted that because it says to my brain, you're just working for yourself. You're going to do this however you want to do it, whenever. And that's fine. For me, like I need those constant reminders because we have so much muscle memory to overwrite. Like decades worth yes, it's true. of not being in control of those things. And it doesn't just happen overnight that you're suddenly like, oh, well, everything is different. Now this feels totally normal. Like yeah. there are still pieces that don't feel normal. Yeah. I was thinking about this. That's another, I never really formally thought through this before, but it's really cool to me that the success of my business is all about me. I don't have to rely on hundreds or thousands of other people to do their jobs in order for the company to succeed. It's me. And as long as I do a good job, things are golden. So I think you saying stress at an all-time low should be everybody's ultimate dream because that's like the dream and that's amazing. We're so proud of you. But you are human and this is still a business and Correct. so things will still happen. So we haven't really touched on some of those lows yet. I don't know if you feel like you want to share any lows, but really what I want to get at is how does coming back to that why that we've kind of really hit and talked about in depth help you during those low times? Yeah. So I've been fortunate. It's only been almost four years. I've not had a ton of real lows on the business part of my life. Knock on wood. I think probably the worst thing that's happened is that I took on way too much work <laughs> for the first few months. Yeah. And yeah, that was awful. And I felt like I was drowning and I learned very quickly not to do that anymore. So, and that was something that I could do. Great. Learn something. Not, not going to let that happen. Not again. repeat. But I think having this lifestyle also makes it a lot easier to deal with personal lows. Mm -hmm. So my dad passed away last year and oh, I was able to manage my life in a way so that I could be there with him and support my mom and take the time that I needed to recover after that, which is not, no, that's not normally possible when you've got a career. So that's a huge part of it, I think. I think you know, it's not right. just the business lows, but being able to handle the personal lows better. Yeah. And that seems like a different type of security, right? So, like we were talking about at the very beginning, like sometimes the corporate life feels like the secure thing. Until something like that happens yeah. and you realize that the security that you need is not in your job. It's being able to handle what happens in your life, which is just a completely backwards way than how we used to think about it. At least how I used to think about it and probably yeah. how you used to think about Absolutely. it. And now, like, I think about that all the time. I have aging parents here in town. Hi, mom and dad. And, you know, or things that happen to my friends even where I'm just like, I can drop everything at any moment, 
nothing's going to happen to my business. It'll be there tomorrow. And that was just not the case before. You know, for Mallory, it's often with kids, right? Like she needs to drop everything. And it just wasn't possible to drop everything before. And, you know, in my story, which we talked about in the first episode, but that was one of the hardest things for me when I was going through so much anxiety is there was no off button. I couldn't ever leave the ride. Like there was no break. I couldn't do life things that came up. Right. And so for me, like that's the security that it turns out I'm looking for. And I think we're all looking for, and that's just been a huge mindset shift over the years. Yeah. It's not that much. I mean, you're just asking to be a human, which you just all are. It's just like, can I just have permission to have this full human experience? But sometimes you're handcuffed in those corporate positions and you can't. And it's fortunate that we have that freedom now. Absolutely. Okay. I would like to get into one thing you said earlier, and you were talking about like the decades long and how old you were when you made this transition. So Mm -hmm. can you talk about what do you think about kind of this big transition in your career at this stage of your life that you were in when you did it? I have learned that I will tell anyone it's never too late to do what you want to do or to do what makes sense for you. Like I said, I was 40 when I took my first job in the tech industry. I was almost 50 when I started this business. Those might seem like kind of surprising moves for someone my age, but that's not a good reason to pass up an opportunity. Mm -hmm. To be honest, my business is a perfect fit for this point in my life. I'm starting to think very seriously about retiring. Some days more than others. (laughs) So this moment, this very moment. Yeah. living, Living from Indy to Tennessee was kind of a first step in that direction. And, you know, rather than working 50 or 60 hours a week until I suddenly flip the switch and stop working, mm-hmm. I can ease into that transition by just reducing my workload. And I can take as long as I want to officially retire. If I need some income still coming in for the next 10, 15 years, I can probably figure out how to make that happen. So, yeah, the timing is perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that speaks to The fact that your business can change over time too, which is really nice. Like if you're doing a more traditional route, it's all growth all the time. I would say almost everywhere. And that just doesn't have to be the case with you. You can, like you said, intentionally taper the amount of work you're doing, the amount of time you're spending on it, but you can still keep that business long into retirement. And then if you want to work for 10 hours a week, to pay for an international trip every year, like, great. (laughs) You know, you have that option, which is wonderful. And, you know, a lot of times people think, well, here's the thing I built. I now have to keep it as this exact thing or make it bigger. And you don't have to do either of those. No. Yeah. I think it's a beautiful story. I think where you're at sounds so lovely and perfect. And I'm just happy for you. Thank you. I think we have our last fun question. I'm going to mix it up then what we have had before. So if you had a thousand dollars that you got for free, but you had to spend it work related, what would you spend it on? The most valuable thing that I have spent money on the entire time I've had this business is my tax advisor. I would put that toward the tax bill that's coming at the end. It's a yeah. game changer, right? <laughs> at the end of first month or maybe in January. I can't remember exactly when it comes, but yeah. That's far and away the biggest expense 
that I have. And it's so worth it because I don't know anything about corporate taxes and I don't want to know anything you don't about want to. corporate tax. Mm-mm. But I also don't want to screw it up. No. Right. Um, You'd rather not be fined. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Or imprisoned. Sure. Correct. So, mm-hmm. yes, that is. That's a great use of funds. Where that money would go. I also answer. use funds oh. in that way and I have no regrets about it. And it's no. even more expensive when they have to be internationally mm-hmm. accredited now that I'm in Canada, but all my money's in the U.S. So, yes, but I still pay it happily. Yes. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. I did have to relocate my business, which was not yes. something I was thinking right. about at first. Oh, crap. I'm an Indiana corporation and I need to not be an Indiana corporation anymore. So Isn't how do I do fun? that? I'll just, um, like it looks like I'm paying a lawyer because I don't right. know how to do that either. <laughs> yes. And giving your yeah. permission, yourself permission to spend your own resource. Like this is money you made. Yes. And you're allowed to choose it to pay someone to do the things that you don't understand or don't want to do. And Absolutely. that's something that people struggle with. But in these things, so worth we, it. No. Yeah. We pay someone to produce this podcast. Thank yes, you. Yes, we do. And we love you because we, we don't want to figure it out and we don't want to spend time doing it. <laughs> no. And you already know how to do it beautifully. So there you go. That's right. We all have our strengths. Taxes yes. and yeah, taxes and corporate law are not mine. No. And that's Okay. But if anyone needs copy about funeral services, this is oh, your no, bell. I don't, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I'm out of that business. No, one of the services. No, okay, now okay. it's hearing aids. Hearing aids? No. I don't yeah. Know. Oh, this is the dream. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for chatting with us. It's been a while since you and I connected. We had chatted at the beginning of your business, which has now been, you know, more than four years. And I am just like so filled with joy and pride to see you doing this and to see the life that it's let you lead, to hear that your stress is at an all-time low. That just fills my heart with joy. So I'm very proud of you. I love seeing it. I love that you're doing it your own way. And thank you for sharing your time and your wisdom with all of us. Thank you for inviting me. Great to reconnect after all this time. And I love all of the things that you're doing too. I mean, you're just out there making it happen. We're doing, we're doing all the things. Thank you everybody for listening and we will chat with you next week. Thanks for listening. Hop over to unboundboss.com to join our community and leave us a voice memo. We absolutely love hearing from you. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, leave us an Apple review, and share your favorite episodes with other women entrepreneurs. Talk to you soon.